Good morning. It's good to see each of you here today. We're so grateful for your presence. It's a beautiful day. Very thankful that you have chosen to be here today. Some of you are visiting, and as always, we encourage you to come back. We're so grateful that you have chosen to come here today. We're honored by your presence, and we always want to encourage you to come back. If you are looking for a church home, we want you to know that we would be more than happy to welcome you here. We'd love to have you as a part of our church family. Help us to do our best to raise the name of Christ in this community. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 today. The song that we sang a moment ago is the title of our lesson today, Because He Lives. It is because Jesus lived died, and rose again that we can face uncertain times. Life is a mixed bag. And there are so many inequalities in life. There are things that happen in life that sometimes cause us to question any number of things. There are times in life when we simply don't have all the answers. Circumstances change daily. And yet, there is a sense of certainty in knowing that because He lives, we too can live. I think about the words of Jesus in John chapter 10 and verse 10. Jesus in the long ago said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. If you are a Christian, you enjoy an abundant life. And you understand all the great blessings and favors that we enjoy in this life. Are there intrinsic blessings that we will enjoy in the next life? And the answer is yes. But to know that there are blessings that we have today one of which is that we live in hope of life eternal, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. So yes, life is uncertain. And life is often filled with anxieties and fears and worries. But to know that because he lives, we have a great, great hope before us. And we are really equipped to face anything that life may hurl at us. So today I invite you to look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In this chapter we have what has typically been called the resurrection chapter. And there are times in life when we need to go back and rethink the resurrection and remind ourselves that when life comes to a crashing halt here on planet Earth, that that is not the end. But rather, death is simply a gateway into the next life. It's called eternal life. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul makes a tremendous case for the resurrection of the body. 
Whether we like it or not, we are all moving in the same direction. We come each day one step closer to stepping out into eternity. We know that's a reality and many times we want to dismiss that from our minds. We choose to ignore the reality of death, but we know it's coming. In Genesis chapter 5, we have a commentary on the existence of man. An expression is used repeatedly in that chapter. And here it is, and he died. And yet, just because death occurs, that does not mean it is the end of our existence. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 will talk about the sting of death. Well, we know something about the sting of death, but we also know something about the resurrection. So I want to begin by first and foremost talking about the facts as they relate to the resurrection. I would invite you to look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In this chapter, the Apostle Paul, in a very concise way, sets forth some facts about the resurrection. And really, the bottom line is this, because Jesus was resurrected from the dead, we today have hope. Because Jesus was the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or who have died. So because he died and rose again, we too expect to rise at the last day. So what about the facts as they relate to the resurrection? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul talks about the resurrection of Jesus. And the gospel in summation is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. First, I want to just very briefly talk about the prophecies that related to the resurrection of Christ. In Psalm 16, in verse 10, the psalmist hundreds of years prior to the coming of Jesus to planet earth, the psalmist talked about the resurrection of Christ. On Pentecost Day, as recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 2, the apostle Peter takes Psalm 16 verse 10 and applies it to the resurrected Christ. He said, you will not leave my soul in Hades. Hades is simply the realm of the unseen. Jesus, while on the cross, said to one of the thieves, today you will be with me in paradise. 
Jesus spent three days in paradise. The Bible says that he rose from the dead on the third day, didn't he? In the book of Acts, the Bible talks about the resurrection of Jesus. And we think about the power of the resurrection, the prophecies and the power of his resurrection. I want to just briefly call to mind in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus had asked the question to his disciples, who do men say that I the son of man am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. The Lord then asked, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter spoke up and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And the Bible says that from that time, Jesus began to say to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the chief priests, elders, and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. In John chapter two, we read of Jesus saying to the Jews of his day, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Prophetically, Jesus was talking about his resurrection. They thought he was talking about the physical temple in Jerusalem. So there are any number of prophecies about the resurrection of Christ. But the power of that resurrection, in Romans chapter one, verse four, Paul said that Jesus was declared to be the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness. To know that Jesus did indeed come forth from the grave or the cemetery. When I look at the facts as they relate to the resurrection and I think about all those great prophecies, the power of the resurrection and Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 basically says that if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is vain, our faith is vain, and he said we're still in sin. When Jesus came forth from the dead, he delivered a death blow to the devil. The Hebrew writer said that he destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Thank God for the resurrection of Jesus. But what about the people that saw the resurrected Christ? Look, if you would, with me at verse 5. Paul said that following the resurrection of Jesus, that he was seen by Cephas or Peter, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom he said the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep or died. After that, he was seen by James and then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. Paul, including himself, in vouching for the resurrected Christ. In Acts chapter one, verse three, Luke says that Jesus presented himself alive 
by many infallible proofs being seen by them for 40 days. You remember when Thomas doubted the presence of Jesus? And Thomas would say, look, unless I can see the evidence, I will not believe. Thomas had the opportunity to examine the print of the nails in the hands of Jesus. He had the privilege of seeing the side of Jesus that had been thrust or pierced with a spear. And Thomas could acknowledge my Lord and my God. So there's some facts about the resurrection. When you look at the book of Acts, I mentioned Acts chapter one, verse three. In chapter two, Peter in his great sermon talks about Jesus being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God and how he had been crucified and slain and they were guilty of that death. But he said, God raised him up. God raised him from the dead. In chapter three, verse 15, again, Peter talks about the resurrected Christ that God had raised him up. In chapter four, the Bible says that they preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. These men were willing to die for their faith. And they were willing to die because they believed deeply that Jesus had died and rose again. And so, some facts. But what about the future as it relates to the resurrection? What are the implications of the resurrection of Jesus to us? Is there a ray of hope? based on the fact that Jesus died and rose again. What's the message for us in the 21st century? First, Paul is going to talk about a separation that will occur. And then he's going to talk about a transformation. Turn with me if you would, or look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and listen to the Apostle Paul in verse 54. He said, talking about the resurrection of the body, that this corruptible, that is this body, that God has given us to tabernacle in here upon earth, that when it is raised from the dead, it will put on immortality. And he said, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And he asked the question, oh death, where's your sting? Oh grave, Hades, where's your victory? The sting of death. We have felt the sting of death many, many times at Olive Branch. Many of you have lost loved ones. Many of you have lost people that you have loved with all of your heart. Some of you have lost a parent or parents. Some have lost a spouse. Others have lost a sibling. Some have lost a child. Others a grandchild. So we understand something about the sting of death and the separation that, that, 
that accompanies death. The Hebrew writer said, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this comes the judgment. Death is a difficult thing for any of us to deal with. And I wish I could stand before you today and assure you that the reign of death here on planet earth will end today or this week or this month. But the fact of the matter is until Jesus comes, death will reign upon planet earth. We will continue to experience the sting of death with all of the heartaches and sorrows that accompany it. Death is such a hard thing. It is literally the separation of the body and the spirit. Solomon talks a lot about the human body and the fact that the human body is subject to aging. And we understand that the old, that they will die, but sometimes the young die. And there is this narration in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 that describes the human body as it gives way to death. And he said, at death, the body returns to the dust from whence it was taken, the spirit to God who gave it. This past week, we suffered a horrible loss here at Olive Branch. And on that basis, I chose to preach this lesson. I said yesterday, and I'm going to say it again, Eddie Archer would say to all of us, he was not perfect. He made a lot of mistakes in his life. But he has left an immeasurable mark upon this church. And there's a hole here. And many of us are hurting today. We hurt yesterday. We hurt today. And we'll hurt tomorrow. Because we love somebody, we lost somebody that we loved. When I got the call early Thursday morning, Dio White was on the other end of the line and said that Eddie had died. I did not expect Eddie to die while I was away. Two weeks ago today, he was in my front yard overseeing a tree that had fallen the day before, overseeing that tree being cut up. So, 10 days later, he's in eternity. And I wasn't prepared for that call. And so Dio said, we want to do whatever it takes to get you back home. So gladly I made my way back home. And I'm grateful to have been here for the service yesterday. And yet when I think about that separation, we hurt. But you know, four years ago, Eddie lost a treasure 
He lost his son, Andrew. And there was a hole in his heart. And that hole was there till this past week. And so, do I hurt? Yes. Am I sad? Absolutely. But I rejoice because he's with his boy now. He's home. And what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is, look, death is not the end. There are better days ahead. When we made our way to the cemetery yesterday, we committed his earthly remains into the ground. And I said, you know, it's fitting that the physical remains of Eddie sleep beside his son, Andrew, side by side until the last day. But what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is, yes, there's a separation that occurs at death, but there will be a transformation that occurs to the dead. So when we placed the casket in the ground yesterday, we did so in hope. Hope that is not think so, maybe so, but rather we did so in anticipation that that body will come forth from the grave and it will be free of cancer and all of the other liabilities that come with human life. So I want you to think with me for a moment about that transformation. Look at verse 50 in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul said, This I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. <clears throat> Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, the word moment here in the original is atomos. It is the word from which we get our term Adam, A-T-O-M. What Paul is saying here is that in a moment, in other words, in a split second, as we would say, in a time so brief that it cannot be subdivided, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, we're gonna be changed. He said the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be raised. In 1 Thessalonians chapter four, Paul was writing to Christians that had lost their loved ones. And basically what he was saying was, I do not want you to be misinformed about those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. He said, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them which sleep in Jesus will rise again. He said, the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel at the trumpet of God. Think about the dead that have been gone for centuries and centuries and centuries. 
Think about some that have died literally thousands of years ago. And then think of your dead loved ones. And remember that there is coming a day in which, as Jesus said, all who have died shall hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. And Paul is saying when that body emerges from the grave, it will be changed. It will be an incorruptible body. This mortal body will take on immortality. And death as we know it will be no more. What a great day that's going to be. In John chapter 6, over and over again, Jesus uses the expression of raising them up at the last day. There will be the termination of life here on planet Earth. At the termination of planet Earth will be the transformation of the human body. And so yesterday as we planted the body of our friend and family member in the ground, we did so with hope. And I'm sure we will place many more in the ground. But as a child of God, we'll do so with hope.